If you've got your Bibles with you, open them up to the book of Micah. The book of Micah, that's where we are going to be today. And I do encourage you, challenge you to bring a Bible. Now, if it's on your phone, that's fine. Or the physical Bible. I love having the physical Bible because um, you know, I can like feel it. I, I, I got it. Like it's real. It's in my hands. You know, it's right here. But, um, but, but I encourage you to have it. Why? Because as much as we put the verses on the screen, let me tell you that that's not going to help you at all once you get home to figure out like where was it, where, huh, what? Yeah. But if you know how to like actually like look through the Bible and find it, then when you get home, you're going to be able to find it again, right? So Micah, it's later on in the Old Testament, right after Jonah. We're going to be jumping into this today. It's a good book. Um, Micah mainly has two themes or two concepts that he's going through uh, over these seven chapters. And uh, the second one is he's specifically talking about and prophesying about the coming of the Messiah, which is, as we all know, Jesus, right? And, and so he talks about that. We'll, we'll be getting into that next week. But, but the first theme he kind of talks about is he directs himself towards the government. Everybody say government. And then uh, let, let, me, let me just make this, um, you know, ma make some sense of this for a moment. You see, the prophets, by and large, were prophesying to either Israel or to Judah, right? The one kingdom that had been split into two kingdoms. And, and they would prophesy to Israel or Judah, or both of them. And, and they were telling them, as I've said time and time again, that destruction was going to come and that they were going to go into exile because of their sins and, and all these types of things. And it's actually kind of funny in the book of Micah that close to the end of the book of Micah, people were uh, around the time of Micah, j just so you know, I, I should say this before I say the next thing, Micah was prophesying kind of about 80, 100 years before the people of Judah went into exile, but he's prophesying in terms of Israel, because Israel went first. He's prophesying right around the end of the kingdom of Israel, like the last king of Israel, and then uh, uh, all the way through for like 50 years, a little bit before uh, Israel goes into exile. So he's kind of at the end of Israel and closer to the end of Judah is, is where he's found on the timeline. So He's here, and, and people around Micah's time were basically saying of the prophecies, like, these prophecies are, like, not going to happen. They're never going to happen because all these prophets have been saying, this is going to happen. You're going to suffer these consequences. It's going to happen. And then people are like, hasn't happened. Nothing's happened. These prophecies don't come true. And what they didn't realize was the reason why they had not come true yet is because God is slow to anger and really high in mercy. And he was giving them time to change, but they obviously did it. So, so Micah, he, he says, basically the time is coming where it's now going to happen. It's going to happen. And for Israel, it did. But what makes Micah different is where most of the prophets were preaching or speaking or prophesying to Israel and Judah as nations, Micah directs his words very specifically to the government, to the leaders of the nations. 
very specifically. And, and, and he does this because th there is a truth here. As goes the government, so goes the nation. As goes the government, so goes the nation. Now, the government is not the starting point of change. Change can come from the ground up in a place, but understand that government decisions, government laws, and those types of things have massive impact and massive influence among a population. And, and in, in fact, this morning, I was uh, in my time of just reading scripture, I was in the book of Ezekiel. And in the book of Ezekiel, God taped Ezekiel in a vision to the temple in Jerusalem. And when God takes him in this vision to the temple in Jerusalem, he sees the inside of the temple and sees that they're like, uh, there's a statue to another God inside of the temple. And then he sees these other people that are planning evil things. And, and, and you realize that as went Jerusalem, which was the capital of Judah, and what was happening with the worship of gods in the temple inside of Jerusalem, that then just spread out to the rest of the nation, and they followed what was happening there. So Micah is speaking directly to the leaders, to the government leaders. And with that, we're going to jump in, but I want to say this as we get started. I, 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 how many of you have heard of cancel culture? Anybody heard of cancel culture? Um, it's like the phrase we use right now to refer to, if you say like the thing that's not approved by everybody, they will, what's the term? Cancel you, right? And, and, and so the idea is you, you got to do the right things and say the right things or else you might be canceled. And what, what does canceling look like a lot of times? Well, it, it might be in some cases where an employer is called, they, they find out where a person works and they call the employer and basically say, the person you got as an employee is evil and horrible, and you need to fire them right now, right? So th that's actually happened to people. Uh, another thing that happens is basically you got a whole wave, like tidal wave, of social media, uh, of people going against you on social media to try to ruin your reputation. That happens. There's different ways of doing this. Some people have gotten what is called doxxed, where their address is found out, and then people go to their home and start threatening them or protesting people at their home. And we're talking about everyday people. I'm not just talking even about government or authorities or famous people, but even normal, everyday people. And this has happened. And uh, how many have heard of these things happening? Anybody? All right. And, and, and it has. But here's the reality. Let me tell you this. You cannot cancel the truth. There's a lot of people you can cancel, but one thing that cannot be canceled, you can't ruin the reputation of truth. Truth is truth will always be truth. It has been for all eternity and will continue for all eternity. You cannot cancel the truth. You can't stop it. You can't make it smaller. You can't diminish it. The truth will always shine brightly no matter what the season is, no matter what the culture is, no matter what is going on. Truth is truth and it is forever. Amen. And so I want to focus today on this idea of truth and how God calls us to be people of truth to live it, but also to be people that speak it. So look at somebody close to you and tell them, don't just live it, speak it. Come on, go for it. Don't just live it, speak it as well. 
And then let's jump into this, all right? Chapter 1, verse 1. What does it say? The Lord gave this message to Micah of Moresheth during the years when Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah. The visions he saw concerned two cities. What are the names of the cities right here? Samaria and Jerusalem. Samaria and Jerusalem. Attention, he says, let all the people of the world listen. Let the earth and everything in it hear. The sovereign Lord is making accusations against you. The Lord speaks from his holy temple. Look, the Lord is coming. He leaves his throne in heaven and tramples the heights of the earth. The mountains melt beneath his feet and flow into the valleys like wax in a fire, like water pouring down a hill. And why is this happening? Because of the rebellion of Israel. Yes, the sins of the whole nation. Who is to blame for Israel's rebellion? Read it with me. What does it say? Samaria. It's what? Capital city. And then watch this. Where is the center of idolatry in Judah? What does he say? In Jerusalem, it's capital. He makes very clear, very, very clear. That the reason why Israel was in so much sin and Judah was in so much sin and idolatry was because the leaders in the capitals were living that way. And then they were spreading it everywhere they went. And, and these were oppressive governments. In, in, in fact, in those times, um, anybody who maybe lived in another country, you, you might have experienced what I'm going to tell you, but um, we, we tend to have two locations where there's extreme poverty. And uh, in, in a lot of countries, the locations where there is extreme poverty is typically in the rural areas. In, in, the, in the United States, it's actually typically kind of flipped, and the higher poverty is tended to be inside of the cities, people who live in the cities that don't have any resources or any money. And, and for us here, the reason why that's the case is because there's a lot of services in the cities that you can get if you don't have resources, right? But in a lot of countries, the heavy poverty was not in the city. The heavier po poverty was in the more rural areas. And Micah is living in a rural area. He wasn't in the cities. And he lived among people that had been oppressed, that had been taken advantage of, poor people that were in massive poverty. Now, sometimes people are poor due to their own life decisions, right? That, that can happen, absolutely. And then sometimes they're poor because of certain governmental oppression. In Micah's time, it was mostly due to the government. The government was absolutely horrible and doing massively wrong things. And this was supposedly God's government, right? It was God's people that were treating their own people horribly. And so he sits there and he goes, this is wrong. And he speaks truth because the truth needed to be spoken to these leaders of the government. And while Micaiah, Micaiah, you know what I just did right now? I didn't even say it right in Spanish. I combined English and Spanish when I said his name. That is like so horrible. Okay, so Micah, apparently I can't speak Spanish or English good anymore. So Micah 
is obviously not prophesying about the United States of America or any other nation on the planet. It's just about Israel and Judah. But can we take some lessons from Micah in terms of truth and speaking the truth in times where certain groups of people, and specifically those in leadership and those who have power, are doing things that are not supposed to be done? And the truth is, yes, absolutely, we should follow his example when that is needed. By the grace of God, when our country and other countries uh, lived with slavery that was approved by the government, the people of God, many believers in Jesus, rose up and spoke the truth of the word of God in that time. And because of that, people were set free. Can anybody say amen? And so there come times in societies where the truth must be spoken, and it must be. And, and there's a lot of confusion nowadays about what truth is, and there's a lot of confusion about what must be spoken and not spoken. But let me tell you right now that we get our truth from the Word of God. That is where it's from. We make no qualms about it, we're not ashamed about it, and we're not confused about it. His Word is truth for us and for the entirety of the world. Period. And we respect everybody else, and we respect what everybody believes, but I will not back down. I know what truth is, and I know where it comes from. And so, I want to bring it to today, and I want to share with you what I really believe is so essential for us to understand in this season. You see, California is a great state. Anybody love this state? And I love it that, no, all right, well, God bless you. Um, it's okay, I get it, I get it. But, but man, you can go to the beach one day and be in the mountains the next day, right? Now, how many of you have actually done that? Very few, but, um, you know, a few of you. But we, we talk about it like, yeah, it's great. I, actually, somebody said that comment one day. They're like, you know, all of the L.A. people are always like, you can go to the beach today and be in the mountains tomorrow. And then they asked this question, have you actually ever done that? I was like, oh, yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't gone two days in a row, one to one place and one to the other. Um, but one day I did make it from Palm Springs all the way out to the beach and then back to Palm Springs. And that's about the same distance as going to the mountains. So I have done that before. Anyways. But we do live in a great state. It's a beautiful place. There's a lot of good things here. But there's a lot also that is out of order, and there's a lot that is difficult. And I've heard plenty of stories, and I know people that have decided, you know what, I'd rather go and move somewhere else. And they're like, I'll go to Florida. I'm like, God bless you. I am not going to humid land, okay? That is just not going to happen for me. I'll go to Texas. Well, there's humidity there too. And uh, I'll go to this place, and I'll go to that place. I'm just like, okay, you know, God bless you. That's fine. You're allowed to do whatever you want, and, you know, Lord gives you free will, and you can follow the voice of the Lord. But I believe something so strongly in the depths of my heart, and it is this. That this state, where this state goes, the rest of the nation goes. And it's so amazing because a lot of people are like, I'm going to go somewhere else because I'm done fighting or I'm done, like I'm just done with this. And I'm like, well, you're not done with it because what happens here will eventually catch up to wherever you go. And people a lot of times don't understand that, but it's true. And, and, and we sit here and, and it's, it's the reality. 
And there's a lot of difficult things that are going on. And there's three primary locations where these things are pushed, where different things are pushed that affects the state, and then from the state goes other places. One of them is San Francisco. Another one is a city called Los Angeles. And I am grateful that God has placed our church in this city. I believe in what God wants to do in this city. Anybody with me on that? And, and, and God has placed us here to be a light in darkness, to bring the word of God to this place, and we will continue to do it. We are not going to stop. And the third place, though, is where the seat of power is, our government, which is Sacramento. And, and the things that happen in these places end up affecting the entirety of the state, then going out from the state to the nation, and by the way, from the nation to the world. And if you haven't noticed this pattern, it's okay, but it's something that I study and something that I see and something that I understand. And my message today, today is not to give you all the background on it, but it's reality. And so with this in mind, there comes a moment where if the people that are right where everything is going out, going down, don't say anything, then how in the world do we expect anything to change? At a certain point, there's got to be a people who've got the truth of God that stand up in the place and the time when it's difficult to stand, not when it's easy. You know, it's like you could go to the Bahamas and speak the truth about another state, but uh, you're in the Bahamas. God bless you, you know. It's a whole other thing to say it right where the action is happening. And the reality is, is that God has called us to be a people of truth, to be a people that speak his truth at all times. Is anybody with me? And so Micah chapter 3, he says this. I said, listen, you leaders of Israel, you are supposed to know right from wrong, but you are the very ones who hate what? Good. And love? Let, let, let's read it together. You hate good, come on, and love. Okay, one more time. Say it all together with me. You hate good and love evil. You know, is he prophesying about California? No, of course not. But, but can we find some similarities? Yes, we are living in a time where that which is, called, which is good is called evil, and that which is evil is called what? Good. That is a reality of the time we are living in. And he says, you skin my people alive and tear the flesh from their bones. Yes, you eat my people's flesh, strip off their skin and break their bones. You chop them up like meat for the cooking pot. By the way, he's using imagery here, right? This is kind of hyperbolic hyperbole. Uh, that, that he's using to describe what the leaders are actually doing, then you beg the Lord for help in times of trouble. I mean, he, he's awesome. Because Micah's telling him, listen, you horribly treat people as the leaders. You don't follow God at all. You take advantage of your position to mistreat others. And then when things go bad for you, you're like, God, could you help? He's like, yeah, right. And then he says this, do you really expect them to answer? After all the evil you have done, he won't even what? Look at you. Now, who is he talking to again? He's talking to the leaders, right? He's saying, you guys are so off, so far from God. 
And they are about ready to get destroyed and to go into exile. And God is making clear, like, I'm not, I'm not going to stop at this time. You're done. This is the end of the line for you. And it was. And he makes it very clear. This is what the Lord says. You false prophets. Everybody say false prophets. You false prophets are leading my people astray. You promise peace for those who give you food, but you declare war on those who refuse to feed you. <laughs> this is hilarious. Well, watch these false prophets. They're like, hey, hey, um, you got some burgers? And the person's like, yeah, 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 I got a great hamburger. You know, I've got a, you know, quarter pound. Anybody like the quarter pounder with cheese from McDonald's? Anybody in the room? Okay, there's a few of you. Some of you are like, McDonald's, evil food, that's bad. But no, quarter pounder's pretty good, actually. Quarter pounder with cheese and bacon. Anybody like bacon on your burgers? And I got, you know, some, some good, like, sriracha ranch that I put on it. And, you know, here's this and that. And, 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 the, and, the, and the false prophet is like, oh, you got some good food for me. And he goes, the Lord's going to bless your home. Right? Then he walks to the next house over, and he's like, hey, you got any food for me? They're like, all out. He's like, destruction is coming upon you in the Lord's name. Like, what? That's what these prophets were doing. They're like, basically, you bribe me good, I'll give you a good prophecy. And you don't bribe me at all? You're doomed. Just changing it based off of that. And it says, now the night, he's talking to these false prophets, now the night will close around you. Cutting off all your visions, darkness will cover you, putting an end to your predictions. The sun will set for you prophets, and your day will come to an end. Then you seers will be put to shame, and you fortune tellers will be disgraced, and you will cover your faces because there is no answer from God. So, so Micah here is speaking to the government leaders, and he's also talking to the false prophets. Everybody say false prophets. And now I, I got I to gotta tell you a few things because it's actually really important to do. And I can't spend the whole message on it, but I got to give some detail here. Because I don't know if you've ever watched YouTube videos of certain pastors or Christian influencers that talk about other pastors calling them false teachers. I, I don't know if you've ever seen any of those types of videos. And if you have seen those videos, I want to just tell you, don't waste your time on them. Now track with me here. I, I want to I get to something. You have uh, heard me, you hear me preach every single week, and you know that I do not stand up here as a pastor calling out other pastors and all the wrong things they do and they're horrible. Have you ever heard me do that? No, you haven't. Go through it. I don't do that. That is not who I am. And part of the reason I'm not like that is because a lot of times what happens is people misinterpret the concept of false teachers and false prophets. And I don't have a lot of time to go into this, but I want you to understand on a basic level what it is. And, and it typically refers to two types of people. One, and I'm going to give it to you if you're taking notes, one principal type of person is a person who tells the truth but has false motives. They tell the truth, but they have false motives. Have you ever come across a, a, a person before who says it, 
like it is, but you know that there's still something off about them? Have you ever come across a person like that? You're like, I know they're telling the truth, but there's something behind this that's going on. And your discernment starts to go up. And you're like, I don't know what it is, but there's something off about this person. And somebody will be like, yeah, but they, have they done anything wrong? And you're like, no. And have they said anything wrong? And you're like, no, but there's something wrong. And a lot of times what that is is a person who on the front is truthful, but there's a false intention. There's a false motivation behind what's going on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and are there people like that? Oh, absolutely. Are there prophets like that or pastors? Yeah, yeah, good. absolutely. Now, I don't know all of their motivations, so I don't spend my time talking about them because, you know, that, that, that's a difficult thing to know for sure, to know what somebody's heart actually is. And then the second type is those prophets or those teachers or those pastors who use Scripture, watch this, as a jumping off point, but then they manipulate it to lead people away from Christ or to lead people into their own version of Christ, which is not Christ at all. How many know that God is holy? And how many believe that I do not get to decide who Christ is or what he is like? He has decided that for himself. But a lot of people, just like the serpent in the garden, grab a little bit of truth, but then manipulate it to lead people away from God. The serpent did that with Adam and Eve. These prophets were doing the same thing. They were like, oh, hey, everybody, we're prophets of God. Amen, brother. Well, you know what? Go ahead and keep on sinning. Those little idols you got, keep on worshiping them. God loves you. Just keep on doing what you're doing. Oh, you heard that joker of a prophet say that you're going to go towards destruction? He doesn't know what he's talking about. God's going to bless you. Keep on worshiping all the idols you want. And give me a hamburger while you're at it. False prophets. False teachers. Taking a touch of truth, an ounce of truth, and adding a pound of lies to it to twist people and move them away from God. Let me make something very clear so, so you understand this. There are pastors and there are churches and there are denominations that believe differently than we do. I'm sure you understand that. For example, we are a church that believes that women can totally and absolutely be pastors and used by God in ministry. Is anybody grateful for that? And we believe that that is biblically accurate. And I am thankful for the women pastors, especially one who's called my wife. She is amazing. And my mom, who's a pastor as well, who has had huge influence in my life as well. And we are grateful, grateful for their influence and for their impact. Now, just because another church or denomination or pastor doesn't believe that, does that mean they're a false teacher? Absolutely not. 
We have differences in theology. That is okay. By the way, there's some churches that don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit and spiritual language or tongues, and we fully believe in all of this. We believe in operating in the gifts and praying for people and seeing them healed. Is anybody with me? We believe in having a spiritual language that you can use in your time of prayer with God, and it builds your faith and it strengthens you. And some of you in this room have a spiritual language, and if you don't, well, may the Lord give it to you. And and we believe in all those things. But if there's another church that doesn't believe it, do we think they're false? No. Or how about Presbyterians? God bless the Presbyterians. I have Presbyterian pastor friends and Presbyterians who believe in baptizing uh, infants rather than baptizing you when you have made a profession of faith. Do we agree with that? No. But are they false teachers? Absolutely not. We can have differences in theology and doctrine. That happens. But if we all believe in who Jesus actually is and that he's the one who died and rose from the dead and is Lord over all, and only in his name do we have salvation, amen, we are brothers and sisters in the faith. But I want you to know something. I want you to be aware of something that right now there are people that call themselves pastors. Track with me here. People that call themselves Christians, but they are nothing like a pastor, and they are not a believer at all. What they have done is they have twisted the Word of God to mean it whatever they want it to mean, and then they use the title because they can teach and twist and manipulate people into a way of life that they want it to be. And, and there's a lot of people right now that are speaking. They have the title of pastor. You'll see it. It's out there. Yet they will be teaching you that all types of sexuality and sexual activity and all types of gender identity, all of that is perfectly biblically. And I want to stand right here and tell you that if you come across one of those, they are false teachers. They're making their own image of who God is. And they're telling everybody their version of God and getting everybody to believe in a false Christ. That is not who he is. And let me be clear, that is where our society has gone. Now let me speak very clearly to everybody in this room. We are people, according to John chapter 1, to follow Christ who is full of grace. Everybody say grace. And also truth. Everybody say truth. And while we can speak the truth, and I must from the front as a pastor speak the truth about what God's Word says, we are the type of church that is also filled with grace for those that are struggling and those that are doubting and those that aren't sure. And we are here for you and will walk with you every step of the way. That is who God has called us to be. We won't let you go. We won't accept where you are because we believe in greater things that God has for you. But we will walk with you all the way there. You're an atheist, don't believe in God, and you're watching, listening, or sitting here in the room. Amen. We're happy to have you, and we'll walk with you every step of the way. You, you, you're unsure about who God is. You doubt some things about the Bible. Well, we're right here with you, and we'll walk with you every step of the way. You, you've been struggling with the body that God gave you, and you're unsure about how everything is supposed to work. We love you. There is grace, and we will walk with you every step of the way until you find yourself full in Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you right now, God makes no mistakes. 
He did not give you the wrong body. God is not in the business of giving wrong bodies to people. He's in the business of doing a good job. And he loves you. Oh, he loves you. But from this place, I must speak the truth. Because if I don't, then where do we get it from? And the truth of his word, I can't ignore certain parts. I can't get around certain parts. It's just not an optional thing to do. And everybody who's a part of this church knows that this is not my message of every Sunday. No, not at all. But it's good maybe once or twice a year to get a reminder about who we are and what we believe and where we stand on different things. And it's important. And so there are false prophets out there, and let me be clear, false prophets are false teachers, people that use the name of Christ, and they exist all over. And if you're a parent with younger kids, let me be very clear to you right now that there are, the, there are people like these all over TikTok and all over Instagram, and if you're not careful, you might find yourself in a situation where your child is learning from somebody else a twisted and manipulated and distorted version of the Word of God. Watch. Watch and pray. Be ready. Pay attention. Know what is going on. Because I, 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 was, I, was watching, <laughs> I was watching this little short on YouTube yesterday of some guy that, and you know, you know what shorts are, right? You know, 15 seconds and it's done, or like 30 seconds and it's done. And, and, and this one guy, I don't even know who it was talking, but it was so great because he always goes so quickly from one to another to another to another, right? And, and I watched this one, and he said that Jesus is a gentleman. He comes to the door, and he knocks. I'm like, hey, man, I believe that that's good. He's like, Satan is not. He gets in through the windows. He figures out whatever way he can get in. I said, oh, Lord. But that is so true. That is so true. Jesus is. But Satan is not. And he will weave his way in whatever way he can get in. If he finds just a crack in the door, he will slither in in the ways that he does. Which is why we have to always be alert. And this week, just this week, a bill passed the Senate in the state of California. And this bill that passed the Senate in our state... <clears throat> and is about to be signed by our governor most likely this week, is Bill AB 957. Just so you know which one it is. AB 957. And it has now adjusted, or is going to adjust, family law in the state that if there is a custody battle between a husband and a wife or ex you know, divorced couple, if there is a custody battle between both of them and it goes in front of a court, in front of a judge, that the judge can decide for one of the parents based off of whether the parent is affirming or not affirming of the child's expressed gender identity. And so let's say there is a husband and a wife, or ex-husband and ex-wife, and the husband, just for an example, believes that their son was born as a boy and is a boy, and God made them as a boy because they're totally a boy. 
And now the son begins to think, well, maybe I'm not a boy. Maybe I'm a girl. And the mom goes, oh, I agree with you. You are a girl. Then the father can lose custody of the child because they will not affirm their child in what they believe they are. And because the mother, or vice versa, the mother believes it, then the mother can receive that child. Is this really happening? Absolutely. It's why I gave you the name of the bill. Look it up. And there are many believers right now that are concerned that this bill might be used. And even if this bill is not used, it's the first step towards maybe another bill coming in where if you even as parents who are together who do not agree with your child's preferred identity, then they can go to a counselor at school and tell their counselor, my parents have created an unsafe environment for me, not because you've beat them up, not because you're abusing them, but because you disagree with their choice and the government can then step in and take your child from you. Is it there yet? We're not sure, but it's possible that it goes that direction. I'm not here to get anybody to be afraid. There is no fear for those who follow Jesus Christ. Is anybody with me? I don't say these things. Amen. I don't say them for you to get scared. I say these things for us to be aware because we are a people of truth and we must be alert to what is going on. And just know that our public schools are places that are teaching our kids to approve all of this and to believe all of this. And it is a disaster zone right now. Now, for those of you that are younger, high schoolers, junior highs, or middle schoolers in the mix, we love you. And we know that it's a different environment. And there is a contradiction from what we say we believe and what is taught there. And just know that you can be strong in the Lord. And you can walk with Jesus, know that. And I want to say one other thing about public schools. Everybody in our church who is a public school teacher, you guys are my heroes. I want you to know that. You are not doing the wrong thing. You are not in the wrong place. You are stepping into a place where there is darkness and you are an island of truth and the life of Christ in that place. And you are doing God's work and we are grateful and thankful for you. I want there to be no confusion around that. Sometimes when I talk about public schools, what about us that are teachers? You are amazing. Keep on being used for God and keep on doing what you're doing. But we must be aware of what is going on. God has called us to be people of truth. And why am I bringing this up? Because we must be aware, yes, and we must pray. We must be a praying church and believe that what the enemy seeks to do, that God can turn around for his good purposes. And so this is who we are. We are people of truth, and we won't back down for all of God's truth, all of what he says, for all the things that are going on in this world today. And with that, I get to verse 8, to the very last verse I want to share with you from Micah chapter 3 which says this, and I want everybody to read it together with me. What does Micah say? He says, but as for me, I am filled with power, with the spirit of the Lord. I am filled with justice and strength to boldly declare 
Israel's sin and rebellion. Now, I, I want you to take out the Israel's sin and rebellion. That's specific to Micah. But can we pull something from this verse about who God has called us to be? Can we be people who are filled with the power of the Spirit of the Lord? Is anybody with me? Can we be filled with justice and strength? Can we boldly declare the Word of God in the middle of a dark world and believe that His light will shine and change this world? Can we be those types of people? And by the way, well, that's the Old Testament, Pastor. Well, how about this? The early believers of the early Christian church in the books of, book of Acts in chapter 4, after persecution was rising up against the church, they prayed together. And in verse 29, they say, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants, read it with me, great boldness in preaching your word. Say it again. Great boldness in preaching your word. One more time, come on. Great in preaching. Oh, just the apostles? No. Just the pastors? No. Every believer of Jesus Christ was saying, God, give us great boldness to preach your word, to declare your truth. Is anybody with me? God has not called just me to do that. He has called all of us to do that with grace. Absolutely. Truth and grace. Would you stand up with me today? How many believe we have a good God? Let me say it like this. You might be in a place where you don't fully understand the ways of Jesus. You might be in a place where you don't fully understand why God says the things He says or why He set things up the way that He set them up. But I'm here to tell you that if you keep walking with Him, you'll learn His ways and you'll learn why His ways are His ways. I lived, I'm still alive, praise God, but I lived in a season in my early 20s and early 30s. I'm in my mid-40s now. Where so many things were changing in our society. And... Um, and so I did a lot of investigation and I did a lot of studying because when, when things change and when new things crop up, it can create confusion and it can even create confusion for pastors because if it's something you've not dealt with before, then there's confusion and you're going, okay, Lord, I mean, I believe your word, but I, 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 I don't have all the understanding that I need to have about this thing, so, so help me. And there's a very cool thing nowadays, apparently, that what has been true for 2,000 years is somehow not true anymore. No, my friends. It's not that somebody woke up recently and went, oh, God finally revealed to me the real truth about all of this, and everybody else before me for the last 2,000 years was all wrong. No. 
You see, my friends, you can cancel me. Somebody could cancel you. But Jesus, well, they tried to cancel him. They put him on a cross and they killed him. But what they didn't realize was Jesus is uncancelable. And he rose up three days later from the dead, proving that he cannot be stopped. He cannot be stopped. And it was Jesus who declared, watch this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And because Jesus is the truth, His truth never changes. And it remains the same. It's stable. It's strong. It's sturdy. Solid as a rock. And can I just tell you, that the current movements of society, they've, they're coming and they've come, and they'll go. They'll, have, they'll go. Maybe this current wave will end in 20 years or 30 years. It's already happening in other countries, by the way, where lawsuits are happening based off of people that were manipulated into getting body parts changed and hormones injected and a whole bunch of different things. Just as one example, it'll happen here eventually. But can I just tell you my heart? It will happen here eventually. The truth always wins out. But before it happens, tons of people will be hurt. And my heart is to save a generation before they lose their lives to save a generation before they realize after 10 years that they no longer can have kids, those ladies that believed a lie that was told to them. And that those boys can't either. They can't contribute to making a family with their future wives because they believed a lie that was told to them. And they have to suffer the consequences for the rest of their days on this planet because they believed a lie that our society told them. And I'm not willing on my watch to be silent and allow more people to suffer due to my silence. But I will stand so we might protect a generation, so they might know Jesus, so they might walk in His ways, so they can live the entirety of their lives healthy and strong, even if they don't know Jesus, but to live a good life because they haven't been damaged and haven't been hurt by the manipulations of a world that has gone mad. Oh, my friends, this is why we must stand on the truth. And can I tell you, the waves of society will come and go and come and go. But I don't want to be on the roller coaster of society. I want to be on the rock that is immovable through all of it. Let them come and go and come and go with whatever new thing they come up with. But I know where I stand and I know where I stay. And that is on Jesus Christ. Is anybody with me on that? Amen. We declare today a whole lot about Jesus who is the way. I spoke about Jesus who is 
the truth. But if you need the filling of his life right now, would you just raise up your hands? Because it is he who is the way that brings us into his truth so we might be filled with his life. So if you want more of the life of Jesus today in your body, in your soul, in your spirit, wherever that might be, Jesus today, would you fill up with your life? Fill up with your life. Fill up with your life in this moment. Do your work as only you can do. Where there are bodies that need the touch of your life. In Jesus' name, come and bring your supernatural life by your stripes. We are healed. And so bring your healing for every soul in this place. The soul that has the heart and the emotions. The soul that has the mind with the thoughts. And for any person in this room that needs the life of Christ in their soul, would you bring it? Would you bring it right now? Would you bring it in this moment? May their souls be filled with the goodness and mercy of God in this moment. And where there are spirits that are disconnected, in the name of Jesus, may your life come, your supernatural, spiritual life in the name of Jesus. And may you fill them up and they may walk closely with you and receive the fullness of all that you have for them because lord god today we believe and today we declare that there is nothing that is impossible for you we believe in jesus there is nothing that is impossible for you does anybody believe that in this room right now can we give an applause to the lord and let's declare that nothing is impossible for him